Greetings, everybody. Welcome to this episode of the Higher Ed Geek Podcast, episode number 64 with Ryan Catherwood, a fellow higher ed podcaster uh, who also works in alumni engagement over at Longwood University. Uh, so really appreciated the time to catch up with Ryan as a fellow member of the ConnectEDU podcast network. I think he might be the last person uh, uh, part of that group that I've had to kind of nail down to have a conversation with. So I'm really glad that we were able to uh, get this uh, scheduled. So I um, really appreciate Ryan sharing uh, pretty much uh, kind of all of his professional story going from working in hospitality and uh, working summers uh, at a pizza kitchen to uh, his current role where he's got to do some really cool things with his own podcast as well as a uh, podcast with his institution. Um, so that's uh, how I found and got to know Ryan originally and just really glad I could uh, uh, get to know him a little bit better and share our conversation with everyone. So uh, definitely connect with him and all that we discussed in this episode down in the show notes. And thank you so much for listening. And without further ado, this is episode number 64 with Ryan Catherwood. I uh, really appreciate you taking time out for the podcast here, Ryan, as a fellow uh, podcaster, always nice to uh, kind of sit down and uh, chat about uh I think, you know, that part of your journey, but then everything else, because sometimes that's like, you know, the thing that I know most about anybody, but it's obviously they've done a lot of other cool things too. So, um, I mean, we'll, we'll start there if you want to do kind of your brief introduction and an overview of your professional journey and how you got to be where you are today. Yeah, Dustin, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. From one podcaster to another, I certainly appreciate it. <laughs> I, um, you know, I, I've been in the higher ed space for a little while now, having uh, roots really in the hospitality industry. All my background when I was a kid and then into my 20s was in, was in food and beverage. I, I waited tables, worked every position in a restaurant. Um, I married that up with a major in communications when I was in college at the University of Richmond and really... It kind of the, the combination of that communications degree, the hospitality business, and then eventually a um, really a passion towards uh, marketing and communications work um, as a professional kind of guided me into this interesting career uh, in alumni engagement, career services. I never really imagined myself uh, working in this particular type of role. And I don't think a lot of people do who who end up being in in, in alumni engagement mm-hmm. um, when they're in you know back in college and trying to sort things out. But really, my my career as it is now is is kind of a manifestation, like it is for lots of people, of the things that I d- did along the way and how they sort of amassed to create some sort of strategic direction for for what I'm doing now. Yeah, because I guess to me it seems. There maybe would be other like natural pathway because I guess, I mean, it's like people aren't like, oh, yeah, for anything in higher ed, like, oh, I want to go to be, you know, yeah, like a director of career services or something. But like um, the path you went of like communications and marketing and, you know, just getting a message out there and like building community and all that. Like when I was like looking through your LinkedIn, it's like that it felt like a very natural pathway, I guess, of just like that would seem to be a way that people would get into alumni engagement. The other the only other thing I could think of is just like if you're in like kind of like sales or like business about because it's like if you are working with like donors to try to like fund something you kind of have to like sell them on that but at least mm-hmm. for i think what you know resonates with me more so coming up through like residence life and you know different like programming and stuff is that idea of and i know it's a big focus for you like community building and stuff so um yeah is there's there seeing like that that pathway that you took and i guess the other sort of 
nonsensical like question that I had. It just popped in my head, so I feel like I have to ask it because like it sounds like you know being you know, coming up like through the service industry, like that was like your foundation, like where you got started and everything. Do you have an opinion on like the classic question of like, do you think everybody should be a server? Like, do you feel like it gave you like really valuable skills and stuff like that? Like, is it is it something that you still think about today? Absolutely, and, and I think you know, um, the hospitality industry is great is great for a number of reasons. The first is it does, as you say, provide you a sense of what's going on in a restaurant when you go there on a Saturday night and it's really busy and you understand that it's the same number of people cooking in the kitchen on Saturday night as it is on Tuesday night. And you just have a better sense as to how things are going and, and the challenges that all the staff face. And, you know, you, you just end up being more gracious, I think, to, um, to, to wait staff. And, but I also think along the way, um, it's provided me that professional background to get a job in a pinch. Uh, you know, I, I was, um, let go from a job, I guess it was about 11 years ago now. And I was able because of that restaurant background to immediately get a job almost in a day, right? Mm -hmm. Just to be able to fall back on that work because there's always restaurants, um, looking for staff, um, almost at any given time. And so I tell college students that not only can it be a great foundation to your career, but boy, it's a great insurance policy to have if you if you don't um, if you should be struggling to find a job. And thirdly, you know, there's a lot of college students that graduate and they don't really know what they want to do and they haven't secured a job or an internship. And so restaurant work, hospitality work, you can do it nights and weekends and then engage in some sort of a low paying or even um, unpaid job or internship uh, just to get right. some experience. So that working when other people aren't, um, uh, allows you for that, you know, opportunity to, to gain some professional experience. So that, I think it's really valuable in lots of ways. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Just like working with people and a lot of different kind of people and like, yeah, it's just all that, all that stuff. I mean, that's yeah, really, uh, really good advice. And I guess, to clarify it, it sort of segues to my next question. Like, were you doing that when you were in college? And maybe, I don't know if that's part of what sort of is like kind of pivotal, like uh, formative moments from your college experience. But I always like to hear anything specifically like a memory or like a mentor or something from like when you were an undergrad that you feel like is still um, resonant for you today. Right. Well, certainly during my college summers, I was doing restaurant work. Uh, I remember working at the New Jersey Shore in an Italian restaurant mm. called called Tritty Joe's. And I was the oven guy. At the, it was a pizza place. And, and so I was night after night, like shoveling pizzas and strom, <laughs> strombolis and garlic bread in and out of ovens and just sweating my butt off. Uh, and it was it was not very much fun. But boy, do you have a, a good sense of how kitchens work, um, timing those um, those orders with to go with all the other things on right. the ticket and that sort of thing. But also when I was on campus at the University of Richmond, I worked uh, at what was called the cellar. It's still called the cellar actually. Um, and it's an on-campus restaurant sort of brew pub where I, where I worked as a bartender and in the kitchen too. And on, you know, they had basically everybody worked every position in the restaurant. And, um, that was, that was great. It was a really positive experience. I worked with my friends and, um, I engaged in restaurant work right out of college too. So, it's sort of provided depth without question, a, a really strong sort of foundation as to, um, um, how I, how I started to launch professionally. And did you, I guess then in addition to that, did you also do 
anything on campus like when you were um that sort of like turned you on to like higher ed specifically or i guess maybe that's like the next like connective tissue of how you sort of like parlayed and eventually like kind of committed to working towards like a career in higher ed and kind of marketing and alumni engagement all those sort of things Right. Yeah. So I I did do a number of things. I was a resident assistant for a couple of years. Um, I I remember I was um, placed to be the RA in um, our academic dorm. And I was probably the only guy that was not probably suited by grade point average to to live in the academic dorm. But they must have thought it would be better for me to have the quiet kids, uh, the non-troublesome kids. Um, so that was fantastic. I, that was a great experience being an RA in the, in the academic dorm at, at Richmond. And then I was also, uh, in a fraternity. So I was engaged in Greek life and, um, had a couple of leadership positions in the fraternity. And then, um, the thing that I, that really stuck out as one of my most favorite, uh, things that I did is I was, Richmond has a speech center. Mm-hmm. So you would go there and, you know, as a student, you'd practice your presentations and I was a speech center consultant. So, you actually had to take a theory and pedagogy class in order to get you know trained to be a student consultant, and I did that, and so I was paid you know a little bit to to help um, students develop their presentations. That and I did a um I was the instructor for a for the 100 level public speaking lab, so uh, I really sort of immersed myself in my major. I, I was I originally started as an English major, and I, I just I very quickly realized I hated the books that the professors were asking me to read, but I was pretty good at getting up and talking about them. Mm. So I switched. I fortunately attended a career fair or a majors fair, I should say, at just the right time and then switched to communications with a concentration in, in rhetoric. And uh, and that was really a great fit for me. Yeah. Well, it's almost like like a practical application of like, I don't know, like it's the idea of like language and like stories or something. It's like, well, you know, get into like a practical application of like, how do you convey idea? Like kind of get into that sort of reality of, uh, you know, language and um, those sort of things. But yeah, I mean, you definitely, uh, definitely kept busy uh, with all that stuff and uh, like working in the summers and stuff like that, which is awesome. And I think now, I mean, that kind of brings us up towards, even I guess broadly sort of like your your current work that you're doing for several years, you know, throughout, you know, different positions and stuff like that. But so I guess I always like to hear kind of going through things sort of chronologically there, but like just broadly, like with this type of work that you've been doing for several years, like what do you enjoy most about it? Like what's keeping you really engaged? What's keeping you excited? And I know part of it, I don't know if it, it does kind of factor in of like, you've been able to do pretty creative things like doing uh, the hired live stuff and you're on podcast and um, I guess multiple, pro- like I know uh, where you're at now, Longwood, you did a podcast with them and then uh, Advancement Legends as well. So I don't know if it's just that ability to do like a lot of different things or just anything else, I guess that comes to mind of like, what's what keeps you excited about your current work now? Well, I can trace it back really to going to graduate school in Australia. I was kind of, um, fizzling out on the hospitality. I worked in a hotel, a couple of hotels. So I switched sort of from food and beverage to sales and marketing in hotels and then realized, you know, I kind of like the sales and marketing thing, but I don't really want to do it in hotels anymore. Mm. So I went to graduate school in Australia and at the University of Queensland. And for anybody out there who's wondering what might, might be in their sort of mid to late 20s, who may be thinking about some sort of really amazing worldly experience. Um, Australia graduate school was just, <laughs> just tremendous. But I got an internship 
in the business school's marketing office. So it was at that point that I was offered the chance to conduct some research on the strength of the brand of the University of Queensland Business School. And that just got me really fascinated by um, the idea of value perception and core values and personality traits of organizations. And it was really from there that my trajectory um, into this line of work began. I remember when I um, got a job at Washington and Lee University in the alumni office as the digital, uh, sort of the digital communication specialist where you know, mostly registration forms, emails, social media, website management. Um, and I just decided at that point I was going to be all in on this uh, alumni engagement space. I remember Googling for advice, uh, uh, and there just wasn't a ton of it out there. You know, there was just a couple of people that were blogging Andy Shanlin and his blog, Alumni Futures, and a few other things that were out there. And I was just like, wow, there's really kind of a, a space here that I could help fill by um, adding content, whether it's articles, podcasts, um, other forms of, you know, sort of thought leadership that um, I, I, I thought that I could help the space move forward because I was really into it, you know, and I thought mm -hmm. it was really, I thought it was really fun. Um, I, I still feel lucky to have found such a fun um, area of work and so all those things kind of built upon itself, but there were a couple of sort of profound, okay, just, you know, go after it type of um, decisions there. Mm. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, just because I think there are sometimes those like decision points or just like you kind of trace back where it's like, that's kind of like where everything started like clicking into place, you know, like, and I think for me, you know, also many times for other people, like, if it's maybe that first like involve an opportunity when you're an undergrad of being like an orientation leader or tour guide or already like, cause also for me, like I was just like tapped on the shoulder and they're like, I think you would be good for this. And I was like, Oh my God, like I'd never even considered, but if you think I would be like, and then that's what I was like, Oh, this is what I was looking for. I want to work in the education space. Thought I wanted to be like a high school history teacher, but, um, it just felt a lot more right. Cause I was, I was growing and learning so much in college. I was like, I would love to be able to kind of nurture that experience for other people. But it's like, like that was it. Like that was a month. And like for you, you know, at least where it's like that's where things like started to change. Like you're really refining and focusing, like you know what you were doing and finding um, kind of spaces where, yeah. I mean, you just were building kind of a professional network and community and uh, doing work that you're really excited about. So um, yeah, and I guess um, because I mean we're on a higher ed podcast, and I'm really curious about it specifically like how yeah. did your sort of like you know, foray into the podcasting world started like, cause I know like I've always been a fan. So I was, you know, very grateful initially for the opportunity to do kind of formally a podcast with the student affairs collective first. And that, you know, now I'm kind of hooked and very much uh, in it and like working uh, and kind of talking with other hired podcasters. But uh, yeah, like how did you get into it initially? Well, I mean, I guess in part it was um, it's, it began when I was at, offered the chance to host episodes of Advancement Live on the Higher Ed Live um, uh, sort of network of shows because they did convert those, uh, you know, Google Hangouts based interviews into podcasts. Right. And so I suppose that was the original. But when I got the job at Longwood, I was living in Charlottesville and that's about 75 minutes from driveway to desk. And so I was doing an off, spending an awful lot of time in the car. And like most podcast people, I started with Serial. 
right? And mm-hmm. this is, but then it was This American Life, and then it was Snap Judgment. And while I, I liked a lot of podcasts, when I really liked the story-based podcasts, so a central theme, stories underneath that theme that answer answer a question or sort of tap dance around a question. And I thought, wow, it would be really fun to try to create something like this for for Longwood. And so we created the Day After Graduation podcast and learned a ton about how to how to do that. And I, I can say and I get a lot of calls from people asking to talk about how we did that. And it was the most difficult thing that I've ever done. Um, <laughs> Uh, I did not have a sense of the challenge of forensic interviewing and um, making sure the uh, audio quality was was up top notch and the sound design and engineering. And I had find a help for that. And so it was definitely the most challenging, but also the most rewarding thing I've ever done professionally to sort of tell those stories of getting started in the world after graduation where emerged alumni and career team at Longwood. And, and I thought that a podcast around that, those sort of the pitfalls and successes of getting started where it would be an interesting angle. Uh, and then the advancement legends podcast, I just thought, um, you know, between I thought there's a good number of people having reached out to them over the years for Advancement Live uh, or just professional network building through Case that would you know would would sit down or um, go over Skype for an interview, some senior senior level leaders in in the advancement space, and um, I've learned I learned so much uh, from all those interviews. I guess I did about 36 episodes over two seasons, and. Um, um, you know, certainly not ruling out more, but, um, you know, that, that was an incredible experience over the last few years. Yeah. Yeah. That's also, I mean, yeah. And I think it's, there's value in like, I've taken some breaks and I'm thinking of like, maybe like winding down season lengths. Cause I've done like every single week of the entire calendar year. And that's tough when, yeah, you know, oh boy. If there's just if any other demands and then it's like, okay, now I'm trying to do like bi-weekly and then I'm like, you know what? Like I can like maybe to kind of just like put it to rest over like the holidays and then come back afterward. Like I'll sometimes be like, I got to go right up until like the week before Christmas or something like that. Cause I think recognizing how much it's important, like the energy and the enthusiasm that this, you know, it's, it's a decent time commitment takes. And it's just this sort of side project I have to fit in when I can. So um, yeah, I've known a lot of people where they kind of like step away or uh, take a break or just change their like uh, posting schedule and stuff like that. Because I think, um, yeah, it can be like a really rewarding experience, but like you said, it's like really hard, especially like the way that you did it. Like initially I can imagine like, cause I had my own like hiccups and struggles just doing like an interview show like this initially, um, getting people to say yes and yeah yeah like yeah yeah. yeah, like booking people just getting a good workflow set so i'm not like frantically you know kind of scrambling for an interview because i'm posting every single week it's like no let me like really like hustle and like do a bunch of interviews in one week and just kind of like build out the calendar and have some runway um but then yeah like controlling quality because it's like okay i've always really done most of the interviews through skype so um, it can be hard to control audio quality or if it's just like okay internet's crapping out and then it just cuts off in the middle and then have to redo the whole thing or something. But, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, it is one of those things that I, I know a lot of people are intrigued about doing and figuring out how they might do it for like their organization or just personally. Um, and I think in that way, it's like, do it whatever way is like sustainable or meaningful for you. Like there's not any one way that you have to do it. And, um, especially if you do kind of like 
it'll like because i think that how you've always done advancement legend like you kind of did like parcels of seasons yes because i think that's like if you feel beholden it's like i gotta post every single week like i gotta do it's like you don't have to do anything like do it in a way because like it's gonna come through if you're like fatigued or like not into it which i know for myself it's like i feel like like last calendar year i was doing it every week and i was like man i'm like it's getting to be like a chore and it's like i don't want it to be a chore i want to do it and i want it to feel like enjoyable you know um so, Whereas the day after graduating podcast for Longwood, you know, the, the season, you know, made sense for us because we would have the production challenges would, would take us a semester, you know, to to really gather the tape and to edit the tape and create interesting episodes. And so we would work in the fall semester and really publish, you know, 10 episodes one week after the next up until around graduation. But the Advancement Legends podcast, it was really and I did I was doing them. Season one, I did 24 shows and I was like, wow, that was just, that was a lot, you know? And then it was also for me, it was about finding sponsors. Um, yeah. cause I was getting some production help and there were some, some costs. Um, you know, I felt like, um, that was also not the easiest thing in the world to get, you know, sponsorship help to cover some of the production costs. And so there's that too. You have to be willing to go to bat to get some business arrangements in place too. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I would never recommend anybody to make like a huge investment just like purely out of pocket. And like, thankfully for me, like I've, I sort of have like side project income from like writing that I do for different sites. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to channel that like writing money that I make into like, you know, do I need to buy a software or a new mic or something like that? But, um, cause yeah, it's like, if you want, like you can do a podcast really cheaply and all that, but the more that you invest in it, the better it's going to be and all that. So it's like, yeah, if you want to do it kind of bare bones, go for it. You can get it out into the world and just start doing your thing. But yeah, it's, it's like a tall order to just be like, yeah, start like, you know, just throwing like a couple hundred dollars and then perpetually kind of have to keep like hosting it or like doing whatever. So, um, yeah, I think that that's great that I know like for Advancement Legends, you're able to get sponsors. And when I work for the Student Affairs Collective podcast, they had sponsors kind of coming in and out and stuff too, which um, I think it's interesting within like the higher ed space. Cause it's, you know, it could be also like, yeah, doing like an advancement podcast, it's like a niche within a niche. So it's like trying to just build maybe like a good relationship with an organization or something that, um, you know, they'd feel comfortable, uh, you know, helping to sponsor and stuff like that. So, um, mm-hmm. it's definitely interesting. Yeah. Like within the space, figuring out how kind of the economics work. <laughs> um, but I guess, I don't know if maybe, um, I mean, you mentioned, yeah, like kind of getting into podcasting and if that's something that you still like listening to a lot of shows that you kind of like geek out about, but that's always like to hear if it's like stuff that's maybe inspiring your professional work or just like purely like the personal stuff that you do for fun, um, bringing in kind of like the geeky aspect, like what's grabbing your attention right now? What are you geeking out about? And if it's like stuff you've always been into that you always go back to or stuff that you've like more recently discovered or anything like that, I guess, uh, yeah, I don't know what comes to mind for you. Yeah. So I, I definitely still geek out over over podcasts. There's there's no doubt about that. I would say what what is in geek and out of geek for me um, definitely changes from time to time. And I think like for most of us, you know, the that's that's the case. Um, I still really enjoy Snap Judgment as one mm-hmm. of my favorite favorite podcasts, story based podcasts out there. I listen to I try to not listen to as much politics as I once was because it was driving me crazy. <laughs> Um, so, you know, I sort of listen to, um, David Axelrod's podcast, um, uh, the Axe Files from time to time, but I try to keep things as light as I can. Shifty gears. I've been listening to a lot more music lately and I've, I've actually started, um, playing the guitar. Um, so I, 
I've never really made it past the frustration phase when it comes to musical instruments. When I was a kid and I tried multiple instruments and now I've got, I just have the, the time at night. My kids are a little older now and they're not quite, quite as needy. So I picked up guitar first um, and, and bought an electric guitar and I go out and um, to sort of the garage and I sort of hack away and try to just try to make incremental progress on getting a little bit better. There's no, there's no pressure on me to do it. So, right. Um, that's, that's one thing. And, um, I still really enjoy, uh, live music. I'm a, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of sort of classic rock and, and fish and the Grateful Dead. And I've been actually going back and, um, listening to a lot of Grateful Dead as I've been trying to, um, listen to the different phases of the band over the years and, and sort of decipher their different, um, you know, iterations and how they sounded. And so, you know, life's, life's good. I got to admit yeah that's awesome yeah because i think that's like i don't know what i mean i guess right now it's sort of like i'm getting in with like little like short courses on stuff like esports or something you know like that idea of like lifelong learning you know it can take so many Mm -hmm. forms it could be like just purely personal and just like yeah like messing around on an instrument and just like seeing that progression and that being really really meaningful and then for me, it's like, yeah, I just am interested in esports. I just love, like, it's, you know, it's coming up at colleges and they're having their own scenes and just like, as an industry, I've, I've gotten into it more so lately. But um, yeah, I mean, it's just like those things that are just like, like simple pleasures and just purely for yourself. I think they have a lot of value because I know like sometimes, um, you know, there are places for people to like build community in like, you know, esports right now and like stuff with Twitch. It's like, that's a huge thing. So like, I've been watching that a bit more and it is really cool just to like, almost like in a meta sense, like watch how people watch Twitch and like engage in that and stuff like that. But um, even then it's just like, yeah, if you're just like going out in your garage and playing guitar, it's like, that's really cool too. Cause I mean, like I can't play an instrument. So I'm very like, oh man, to be clear, I, to be clear, I, I am not, I am not good, but you know, you just, <laughs> You just um, try to learn some of the, the fundamentals, the open chords, and uh, you know, just sort of make incremental incremental progress over time. And um, I find it to be really rewarding. I was going to bed, uh, you know, having sitting there watching cable news night after night, and I'm just like, "There's just got to be a better. There's got to be a better life here." Um, and so I sort of switch gears, and um, it's been really helpful. I've I got a couple of kids too, right? So admittedly, my hobbies are often their hobbies. Um, my son plays soccer and swims and plays basketball and my daughter is dances and you know, they're still pretty little seven and five, but a lot of my spare time, like last night we were at a swim meet for like five hours. So a lot of my spare time ends up doing what their hobbies are. Yeah. Well, it's good that you can be there. Cause I know that's always, that's right. <laughs> always important. Um, and, uh, well, I guess too. Yeah. I mean, that's a good point of just like when you do find that time, like a playing guitar and I'm sure maybe you know I don't know if you're like watching a video and how to do something or whatever but like for the most part it sounds like it's just like a very good way to like unplug you know like it just has it has value in that sense but then value in the sense of like progression and learning something new and all that but like yeah like we can all kind of fall into that like gravitational pull of like you know but it's like you know cable news it's like they're just like talking about the same thing like ad nauseum and you're just sort of like you know getting caught in like a circular loop of logic I guess but um yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I know, like, it's, um, 
starting to get that way, which I can only imagine. Like whenever I have kids, like just getting used to that time, uh, time adjustment. But um, just yeah, like not feeling like I ever have enough time for everything. So it's like, oh, I always like I want to play this video game. I want to like watch this thing or whatever. Um, so it's like yeah, finding and making uh, you know, making time for yourself in the time that you have it. Um, well, there's definitely a period there when your kids are really young where you don't get that right, <laughs> and and now that you know they're pretty much more self-sufficient and autonomous on some things like going to bed and brushing teeth and taking showers, right? Like there's just the exhaustion level is, is much lower than they were when they were little kids. So I've got the, the time to give back to myself. Uh, and it's been kind of nice. And the, the guitar is one of the ways I've been trying to, to sort of better myself. And as you say, lifelong learning. Mm-hmm. Very good. Um, well, I guess then really quick, is there anything else again, sort of the idea of maybe like classics for you or stuff that you are literally like just like reading watching or listening to uh, right now will definitely include um uh, the podcast that you mentioned and stuff but anything else that comes to mind that's like something that you would want to make sure that people uh go check out yeah it's a, it's a great uh it's a great question i i've got a few favorite books i mean i've read them a couple of times that people should absolutely check out um i i'm a fan of sort of sick sadistic serial killer stories <laughs> Uh, and there was this, uh, show they made a T and it was on TNT, like a 10 episode show called the alienist mm-hmm. takes place in, um, uh, late 19th century New York city in the tenement slums of, uh, of New York. And it's sort of uh, a serial killer who's, who's killing little young boy prostitutes. And it is the search for this killer. Um, and it's, this is before modern forensics. So fingerprinting is just, getting started and even just the notion of getting into the psych, psych, psychiatry of the, of a serial killer of those days and, and tracking this person down, uh, was, um, a really, uh, really enthralling read. And, and you really, when you read the book, it's by Caleb Carr, the alienist. It's, it takes you, you really almost feel yourself in the, in New York in, in those, in those days. And, um, it's a wonderful read. And he has a, a couple of good books. The angel of darkness is another one. Um, sort of same characters. And what I also like about it is they have real characters from history in the book. So mm. um, there's fake characters and re- like Teddy Roosevelt when he's police commissioner is a character and, um, you know, of the Vanderbilts and, uh, you know, some of these other sort of his- rich historical folks are, are in it. So I would rec- certainly recommend that one. Um, I don't know if, if there's anyone, if there's anyone out there who's listening to this, who has never seen uh, fish live, um, I, I highly recommend them. They're, they've been playing for 30 years and they sound as good as they've ever sounded. Um, and a lot of people don't like the band because of the sort of lengthy improvisation between songs or extending their songs from the studio sounds. Uh, but I think once you take a crack at hearing them live, you kind of understand what the what the fuss is about. And they're mm-hmm. about to go on their summer tour. So I've got a couple of shows lined up and um, that's something I enjoy doing as well. Um, another band that I've been listening to a lot, more modern rock, is uh, Tame Impala, um, which is an Aussie an Aussie band that um, has uh, much more uh, sort of um, sounds like a mixture of the Beatles and um, um, there's a little Floyd in there, and but they're a much more modern sound. Uh, but when I'm, but largely, I got to say, Dustin, when I'm reading and writing, I do it's almost mostly for my work, you know. Um, yeah, I read a lot of, um, uh, content from case and higher ed live and, um, as much 
content as I can absorb around higher ed. And there's so many challenges facing higher ed uh, writ large um, coming up in the future that I try to stay on top of it and and sort of understand what the challenges are. Yeah, I think that's like at least just good advice of like a reading diet is almost just like there's a lot of I mean, yeah, there's a lot going on. There's a lot to read, but it's important to not like because I think that's the thing, even like just generally with like, you know, news and politics or whatever is like on one hand it's like i would you know honor that it's like oh it's really stressful and like you know bumps people out or whatever but it's like but you can't like just put your head in the sand and just completely ignore things like especially yeah like higher ed has a lot of things that it needs to grapple with so it's really helpful to like not just ignore everything it's like try to like keep aware and keep engaged with all the like the news and the content and all that because like you know, you'll maybe start to see like, oh, these are like trends that are developing or like I'm seeing a pattern here or like, oh, it's a really neat idea of how to address these challenges so that, you know, this future that may be impending, we could sort of mitigate or, you know, try to get ahead of or just be, you know, more adaptive or something. But, yeah, I, I find myself most interested in in sort of the area that connects engagement communications with what we refer to as alumni relations. I think the term alumni relations is woefully outdated. Um, and there are lots more stakeholders involved when we're thinking about communication strategies and what the goals are. And, you know, you, you know, you look at the, at a Facebook post, just an everyday Facebook, maybe it's a sponsored Facebook post and there's so much going on there, right? You've got a campaign strategy for the promotional component of it, a content strategy. So you're driving traffic back to your website. So what's there on your website, you've got comments, likes, shares that you're trying to track at the individual level. And how do you track them and how often do you track them? And, you know, there's this sort of notion that there's some sort of difference between, this thing we refer to as alumni relations and largely what we're referring to is, you know, reunions or chapters or, um, you know, um, sort of lifelong learning events with professors speaking and, Mm -hmm. you know, what is alumni relations? Sure. That, that still is, is good stuff. And and, and is really sort of where we're entrenched as an industry, but, Thinking about engagement strategy as a communication strategist is really how I approach the job and and not just alumni relations, but career services as well. So how are you using your digital tools to get the word out to students? What are the central narratives that they need to know about how to get a job or an internship? And what's the overlap between alumni engagement, engagement strategy when it comes to sort of the career narratives and the narratives around traditions and nostalgia and things like that? So. I definitely try to stay current in the space and I'm always interested when, when people want to talk about that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Cause all that stuff, it's like, like you said, it's like the, the things that people would assume like what alumni relations is. It's like, yes. And it's a lot of other stuff. Like it's like yeah. that bare minimum plus everything else. And then, um, yeah, just like seeing good examples of what other people are doing. And like, cause I think that's also what's beautiful about higher ed is like people are very open with sharing a lot of the time, you know, like with, going to conferences or just like doing a write-up or uh, just doing those sort of things. It's like, yeah, you can be inspired by, um, you know, keeping well read of what people are working on. And again, just like studies and trends and um, that kind of stuff. But um, I guess then that kind of helps us, you know, kind of to to wrap up here. And then the the, uh, optimistic note that I always like to end on um, is like anything or things that you are looking forward to in your job, life and or the world. So if it's, 
upcoming conference or, you know, something really uh, exciting happening at Longwood or just, you know, personal milestone, any, anything uh, that comes to mind, something that you are looking forward to. Ah, well, that thanks. That's let's see. I'm, I'm on the faculty of the alumni case alumni engagement strategies conference coming up in November. That's in Atlanta the week before uh, before Thanksgiving. So if any any engagement folks out there um, that I'll be there in November. And that's always a great conference, um, you know, sort of um, personally, um, you know, Longwood is we've now four years into the job at Longwood. We've gone through some period of really transformational change. And and now we're in this period of kind of refinement, mm-hmm. right? You know, season three of a podcast, you know, <laughs> sort of the, the fourth, the fourth year of our micro volunteering program, our, our fourth crack at our revised alumni weekend program, you know, so it's instead of sort of constantly innovating now, it's a period of trying to make the things that we're doing better. And I really look forward to the, some, some more of the, of the strategic thinking that we can put into doing those things professionally. Um, and, um, I guess personally, you know, I, um, I've got, there's some fun things coming up, you know, a couple of fun vacations, uh, one to Lake Tahoe with the, with the family. First time the kids are going to get on an airplane. Um, my dad has retired to Hilton head, South Carolina. If you've ever been down to Hilton at South Carolina, it's a really great place. And so, um, you got the summer months ahead here where, um, the, the fury of the, the May sequence of graduation of an alumni board meeting of alumni weekend sort of has drawn to a close for another year. And there's a, a period of regrouping here over the summer as we look to the fall. And, um, I always enjoy that. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. All good stuff. And, um, yeah, I know. Like I, I've been kind of like away from conferences for a while, like going properly, like sometimes, you know, people are, uh, I'm here in Baltimore. So if people are here for a con, you know, like I sort of try to engage and kind of meet up and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I think also in November, there's like an online learning conference that I want to go to. Um, so I feel like that'll be like the first real proper, uh, conference experience in a while. But, um, cause I know, yes, yeah, so it's, it's like, I, I think for right now, it's probably like, I haven't found that like conference home yet. So like, I'm hoping that maybe this would be the one where it's like, Oh, I want to go like every single year and like yeah. those sort of things. But, um, yeah. And then just like, yeah, summer being a good time to like, you know, uh, recalibrate and refine and refresh and, uh, have quality time with family and friends yeah. and take some good trips and stuff. So, um, yeah, all good stuff. And, um, I should say I'm also serving on the, uh, the iModules corporate advisory board, um, which I've, I've never been on a, a, a board of a company before and they've got their conference called the sizzler, which is, um, in Orlando. And so it includes some like behind the scenes, Disney, um, touring type of things with events. And so I'm kind of looking forward to that too. Oh, nice. Yeah. I mean, I, the only thing I've ever done like that is like, um, I was on the board of like a, a small nonprofit in Maine when I was working there, um, I was doing like sustainability work and stuff, but, um, yeah, that's awesome. I mean, just, I, 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 I mean, we're about to wrap up, but I'm also like curious to follow up question. Like how did that sort of happen? Is it because of maybe like your university connection or like, I don't know, like how that came to be. Cause yeah, I mean, that, that sounds amazing just to be able to like be able to provide insight and input and, you know, help, an organization grow and then just have opportunities like, like cool stuff to do, you know? Um, but yeah, how did that, well, how did that come to be? Well, I was connected with iModules is cause they were a corporate sponsor for advancement live, um, for a couple of years. And so they, you know, we always was sort of working with them as far as 
topics that they may be interested in seeing us cover. And I got to know some of the folks in the, on the staff a little bit there. And, you know, I think it's just, I, I, because my role at Longwood with a merged alumni career team and sort of my background is a non-traditional one for someone who's leading an alumni career team coming up through the digital space where I've had the chance to use iModules to actually integrate iModules at, when I was at the university of Virginia. Um, and just, you know, um, being someone who publishes content, right. Um, they, they think they, um, knew of me and, um, thought that I could, um, provide, uh, sort of a, a different sort of vantage point what, because of the size of the schools that I've worked at and also my, my professional trajectory in, in using the technology. So sort of a, a confluence of things, but, um, I was certainly, uh, eager to have the, the chance to, to converse with the other, um, higher ed folks who are, who serve on the board. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Just like, uh, you know, yeah, just have, I guess if that is like the, the makeup of the board, if it's like a lot of higher ed people from different organizations, backgrounds, institutions, what have you, but, um, yeah, and, and the idea too, like, that like obviously if you're interacting with them, it wasn't just like, oh, I hope I can get on their board someday. I'm gonna try. It's but it's like it presented itself, and it's like, yes, yeah, that sounds of amazing. Of course, like, of course, I'll help you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like and it's I, just like a genuine sort of professional relationship that's like grown and blossomed to like this point. That um, yeah, it just makes me think of like some people that I know that like work at other organizations where I'd be like, man, yeah. I mean, if they asked me, I would love to help. But like, I'd, I'm always happy to help them in any way that I can. So. Um, yeah, they've always they've cool. always been uh, nice to me, and they add sort of a positive presence to the space. They're they're trying to innovate, and um, um, uh, certainly um, that's that's a that's a fun thing to be looking forward to over the next two years. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Um, well, great. I appreciate you uh, sharing all that you did and making some time for the podcast here. And uh, yeah, just good talking to you. And we'll have everything that we talked about uh, down in the show notes to connect with, and ways to connect with Ryan as well. Um, but yeah, thanks again and just have a uh, good rest of your day and good weekend coming up here. Thanks, Dustin, for having me on the show. I appreciate it. This podcast is part of the Connect EDU podcast network, bringing together diverse voices in the higher ed community. Check us out on Twitter at ConnectEDUPod or at ConnectEDU.network. Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode of the Higher Ed Geek Podcast.